You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Rasvogel, your host and team performance pro, and this is episode 312. Today, I have Leslie Kuster. She is the money and freedom guide for women over 50 who also want to fall in love with life again. Leslie's message is that it's never too late to create success, financial wealth, and a life of freedom. Leslie's book, Seven Keys to Seven Figures, The Women Entrepreneur's Guide to Money and Freedom will be out soon. Looking forward to that. It provides women entrepreneurs seven master keys to unlock a successful money-making business. Women business owners who have been struggling to build the business and life of their dreams are given the insights, principles, tools, and steps to claim the freedom and create the wealth they yearn for. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you. So happy to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to our conversation. And like I said, I am a woman over 50, but <laughs> but I that feel pretty happy. That's the best time to build a business, they say. Yeah. Although I was quite younger when I, yeah, when I started building my business. Yeah, I know one thing that has happened to me as now an older business owner. I mean, I was a single mom with little, little kids when I started my business and my time is a little more free these days. <laughs> well, that must feel so good. Yes, in many ways. But, you know, of course, there's pros and cons to being an empty nester. But anyway, tell me about your work and the impact that you're making in the world. Yeah, I mean, my story is basically that I was a entrepreneur for a really, really long time. Like we're talking about 20 years, I would say, before I became a more successful entrepreneur. So that whole like joke of it takes 20 years to be an overnight success is totally my story, which is why I really focus on and 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 really encourage other, especially women entrepreneurs to realize it really truly is never too late, whether you're in your your 80s, your 70s, your 40s, your 50s, your 30s, even some women at 30s thinks it's too late. It's never too late. But it just takes a mindset shift and really taking the steps and the guides to become successful if that's what you want to be. So that is really... My first lesson was that I had a lot of mindset blocks that was blocking me from bringing my business to where it was to where it is now. And that was pretty much the biggest change. So when people ask me, how do you do that? How do you build a business that is six figures, seven figures, eight figures? It definitely starts from the inside out. And that is so much my experience. And, and so even though tactics and how, how to's and what to do next and all of that is crucial in building a business, what's most crucial is really getting aligned with what authentic success is to you, what that really means to you personally, not anybody else. And then once you have that 
dialed in and you have honesty around that, then to ask yourself what your relationship with money is and your attitudes towards money and what your money story is, which basically means the 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 upbringing that you had that taught you ideas about money and whether it's good or bad or you should have it or shouldn't have it or whether it was up to you to earn it or someone else to earn it. All of these stories affect whether we build a successful business. So true. I love that you're starting right off with that. I mean, I, I'm so visual. And, and when I talk about mindsets that aren't aligned and a lot of times it's not even on our radar, I think, you know, but, but it becomes this hurdle that we have to get over. And now some of our energy is around hurdling that thing that we could just shift mindset and, and remove. I mean, yeah. maybe that's a little simplistic, but yeah, talk a little about that. Yeah, it's so important because like what you just said too, we don't realize it. So, you know, just to to share my story is that, you know, I grew up definitely in a family where I was taught that my partner and my husband is the one who should be really bringing in the big bucks. And it was okay to work. In fact, my mother worked, my mom had her own business even, but she was not expected to really be the one bringing in the money. And I was definitely raised that way. My, I was raised where my brothers should, should work and they should make a lot of money, but that the women in the family and me, that that was not a real value. And so even though I didn't even realize during my life that this was really holding me back in many ways, once I started to realize and sort of confront those issues inside of myself, that is when everything financially changed for me. So I was stuck in a mindset of lack. And just to give you some examples, I always felt that freedom was the most important thing in my life to have the freedom to wake up when I wanted to work from anywhere I wanted to be able to take the summer off if I want to, to go to a spiritual retreat if I wanted to. And I believed deep inside myself that if I was successful in a business, then I would have to give those things up. So I saw it as a conflict. And I also saw it as a conflict that I was more, I believed I was more spiritual type of person. And so someone who was so into money that that would then conflict with being my, my ideas of what a spiritual person was. I also very much believed in my money story that my, again, that my husband is the one who should be really bringing in the big bucks and it wasn't really my job to do it. So all of these ideas that sort of seemed like they were true in my own belief system, I started to really question, is it true? Like, is it true that if I start being really successful, I'm going to lose my freedom? Is it true that if I start earning money in my business, I'm no longer spiritual? Is it true that it should be just my husband that's bringing in the money and buying, you know, the big, the big things like the dream, the dream home. So once I started being questioning this and being honest with myself about it, that is when everything in my business shifted. I feel like you just listed out some key ones that probably a lot of your clients struggle with, 
And I'm thinking too, how about like the fear of making too much money, that sense of responsibility. And I feel like those can get tucked away. Yeah. That, I mean, it's not just the fear of being worthy, right? Well, it's not just, it's interesting because it isn't only the fear, like you want, if you try, because a lot of people talk about that, their imposter syndrome. And if they try, they're fearful that they they'll fail, you know, and that is definitely true. But there's also the other side of if you succeed, what will that do to your life? Like what happens to your relationship with your partner when you start making more money than them? Or what happens to your relationship with your parents if all of a sudden you are super successful or your friends or whatever it is? So it's also like a big identity shift from who you are, who you're comfortable with and whether you're comfortable, whether it's good or bad, this you're comfortable and comfort often supersedes anything else. So when you're comfortable with yourself and it changes, even if it changes in a really phenomenally great way, it's not necessarily comfortable. Yeah. As you're talking, like the visual I'm getting with all of these kind of money fears or mindsets that aren't aligned with kind of the flow of money, I do kind of picture this bag or tunnel or something that's like got some squeezes in the middle that's making it narrower to kind of like close it off. And I feel like that's what these mindsets that don't align with can kind of do kind of the block that flow. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I made that decision and it was really very, very conscious, I, I was sitting in my my little office. I was in Hundbong in Switzerland because my, my husband is Swiss. We're in the U.S. right now, but I was living in Switzerland at the time. And I felt like I was in my early 50s and I just said to myself, there is no way I am waking up on my next birthday, not doing six figures. And I'm talking about in in top line and revenue. I was not doing over 100,000 a year in my business in sales. So therefore, my income was, you know, what I took home was much, much less than that. And I just said, there's no way I'm waking up on my next birthday. And it was like a very, very, very conscious decision. And once I made that decision, I literally felt like there were chills going up and down my spine. I felt like there were angels in the room singing hallelujah, like she finally got it. You know, she finally woke up. She finally did this. And then I started to make a a lot of, you know, tactical, physical, you know, action steps. And one of them was simply inundating myself with with recordings and podcasts on money mindset. And I actually remember I was in New York City for Thanksgiving and I put on I got my phone out. I put on some headphones. I was walking across the street and this money guy who was, you know, uh, in my ears was saying something and it just stopped me in the tracks. And what he said was so simple, but so profound. And he said, if you want to have money, you have to want money. And it was like, mm. oh, my God, that's so interesting. You don't just want to have it. You actually have to consciously want it. And from that moment on, I started to go, oh my God, I really, really, really want money. 
I not only do I want money, I actually love money. Like I love money so much I can kiss it all over. I love money. And to stop that that voice in the head, which, you know, goes, well, that sounds a little materialistic or that doesn't sound very feminine or, you know, people shouldn't really say those words out loud. And to free yourself from this because your blockages around it, like what you were just saying before, is it's like that tunnel that blocks it. These these are the blockages. So wherever you are right now with money, whether you have it or you don't have it, it is because of your mindset and your attitude towards money. So this might be, I love everything you're saying. This is such a fun topic right now for me personally. So I know the (laughs) listeners are enjoying it too. But again, this might be a little deeper dive than you're anticipating. But let's talk, you know, as you were saying that want of money, I'm assuming you do like meditation or, you know, think about energy and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever read any David R. Hawkins? No, I don't know. Okay. So yeah, it's not around money specifically, but it's about vibrational energy and like the, how emotions each have their own vibrational energy and aligning. Well, and of course, in the whole meditation thing, it's aligning with like, so for abundance, aligning with the energy, et cetera. Do you have some strategies? Cause when I hear the word want, I start thinking, Ooh, what if that becomes like a yearning or distraught because of lack? And now you're in a lower vibrational energy and you really need to keep in the higher vibrational energy. So do you have, and again, this is probably a deeper dive than you were anticipating, but do you have some strategies around that? I love deeper dive. Yeah, <laughs> I do. So it is, in, and I write about this actually in, in the book, that when we ask ourselves, what do we really, really want? What do we want? Well, we get really stuck there because there is so many things you want. I mean, you might want a new car. You might want a new relationship. You want, might want a new pair of shoes. You might want, you know, to have steak for dinner. So if you just stay with the want, it limits things. The question to ask yourself, and that goes deeper than the want, is what do you yearn for? What do you yearn for? Yearning is a more honest and deeper feeling than wanting is. And behind every want is actually a yearning. So, for example, you want a new car. But maybe what you're yearning for is to be seen as a leader. All right. Mm -hmm. You want to have a new relationship, but maybe what you're yearning for is to feel loved. These are all the emotions that go beyond wanting. So in my case, I wanted more money. All right. I wanted money, but As I began to create it with my new attitudes, my tactics, my inner and my outer work, what I realized is I had been yearning for independence. I had been yearning for a feeling of empowerment in my life, a feeling of control in my life. That was my yearning. And the business is just the vehicle The money is the vehicle that gets me that feeling of independence and empowerment in my life. Ooh, I like that. I like that. So the yearning is actually the good emotion and that is attaching you to that, that thing, like your heart's desire. Exactly. 
Because yeah. otherwise we get stuck with what do you want? And and sort of the super that like we think it's the red car that's going to do it. We think it's the relationship that's going to do it. We think it's going to be hitting just six figures only. But actually, there's a deeper yearning. And if you go after the yearnings, then you're always on the right track. I like that. And so that's likely attached to your passion, et cetera, which is that litmus test that kind of tells you you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. And I don't even know if I would call it your passion. I would just mm. call it your deep yearning. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, it's kind of like coming from deep, deep, deep inside of you. It's your, it's your, it's your truth. You know, it, that's mm-hmm. more what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I really like that distinction. And again, I'm enjoying personally (laughs) the the distinction next. I want to see if I can help you a little bit, because if there's some kind of challenge or barrier that you're needing to overcome to make your bigger, bolder impact, likely people who are listening are dealing with the same kind of thing. So is there a current challenge? You probably have the mindset thing licked, I'm thinking, but anything around communication or building a team or setting clear expectations, holding people accountable, anything around that? Oh my God, we can go in so many different directions. (laughs) You know, I I also want to tell the listeners a little bit about my business and also about my, in a way, my side business, because maybe we could figure out like the the answer to your question that way. So, so my business is called Back From Bali. It's a women's clothing brand and I manufacture in Bali, Indonesia, beautiful, bohemian, colorful, comfortable kind of clothing. And I create the clothing, I manufacture the clothing in Bali, Indonesia, and then I import it into the U.S. and I sell it all online through my website and also through Amazon is one of my primary ways of selling. So as I was building this business over these years, I started to have a yearning. I started to have a yearning that I felt like I was just behind my computer all the time and I was just focusing on the business and it was growing and it did grow and the money came and there and I achieved empowerment I achieved independence but I felt like I really was I needed to share what I learned I needed to share something deeper to help other women entrepreneurs and so that was a frustration that I had going back like I would say 4 years ago And so I started on this journey more of, you know, starting to create content and and do videos. And and that is what brought me to write my book, which is Seven Keys to Seven Figures, because I wanted to share with other women entrepreneurs how in the world I did this because I did not have a business background and I, I sell clothing and I don't even know how to sew. All right. I don't even know how to design. And yet I have a multiple seven figure business. So I've, I've learned these tech, I've learned business and I've learned patterns and all that, but I certainly knew none of that. So now I'm in a situation now where I wrote a book that will be coming out. I've started to do some consulting and this is a bit of a conflict for me because one of my beliefs, and in fact, it is a key number two in my book is focus. And without having complete focus 
on what you're doing, your ability to be successful is not so great. So that has really been my conflict right now is, you know, kind of running from my business, which I love still and and want to continue to grow. And I am building team. And that's why I was saying we could go in so many directions because team building is has not been my strength and is something I've had to learn these last few years. And I find this very difficult. And then there's the other side, which is I have a book coming out and this desire to give my baby everything I can because I want to get it out in the world. So that is what I'm struggling with these days. Oh, well, I love it. And thank you for the additional part of that story. And I wrote down back from Bali because I'm going to check that out. I mean, I know I have the I have the link on my notes here that will be in today's show notes, but I do want to go check that out for myself too. Well, I think the team building is likely going to be the source of the solution because if you have the right people in place, feel confident in their follow through when you delegate well, and I'm going to just, I'm, I'm peppering. And so if any of these things is what triggers like, yes, I want to hear more about that. I'll go because I kind of have some different paths here too. So for instance, I have the six simple steps of great delegation, but you need to, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're likely at full capacity with the one business. Now you have this other thing that you need to shift focus for and be very intentional with your time and how much you're investing in each. But the one business, it sounds like is already running. And so that would be the one that hopefully you have some processes in place and all that. And then you just need to, the right team members to really act as a, a coordinated extension of you so that they can be very productive there while you shift focus for at least a period to work on the consulting and the launch of your business. Right. Except it's, it's not, it doesn't go as smoothly as that with the team. Yeah. So around the team, what is your, like what a little more specifically is, is a challenge? Is it defining what they're doing? Worrying? No, I actually have my systems down and my operational. I have an Excel sheet with every Mm -hmm. single task. So, and in fact, I'll just let listeners hear that because if you, it's something really important to do for your business, which is just to open an Excel sheet and start to write down every single task business needs and then also who is doing that and when i started doing this i think it goes back maybe 3 or 4 years then i began to really get clear on how much i was doing and what other people's jobs could be you know people had not even hired yet so that's like the first step so i have that it dialed in really really well However, the team members, they're all part-time, okay? So they're contract workers and they're not employees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women have babies is one issue, okay? So not so availability, delegation, a follow-through. So for example, my I guess my biggest frustration is having to check on people's work. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And I'm hearing you have three part-time people. I have three part-time people. Yes. Okay. And then you don't have anyone between you and them. No, I don't. Okay. All right. So let's talk really quickly. And 
for listeners, I also, you can get, I have a super quick video of these six simple steps of great delegation that you can get it by going to defeatthedrama.com forward slash delegation and a PDF, but I'm going to just share them really quickly here too. And I've been sharing these by the way, for about like over 15 years, and it does transform follow through with the team because very often just leaders inadvertently are missing one of these steps and then you're lacking kind of a call to action. So in trying to be respectful because everyone's busy, et cetera, you know, they're blending and the intentions are good, but it ends up not being a clear direction. So the first is what, and the goal when you're delegating, by the way, is to pass the baton fully. Like they need to have all the resources that they need, all their questions answered, all of that in you know, at the time that you're delegating, what is as much as you can possibly muster about specifically what, how many, and you know, what length and whatever, (laughs) just all the details. And then the how is optional. If they've already been doing the work, you don't know, need to go into the how, but if they haven't been doing the work, the how is important. And even if they've been doing it, the tasks already, it's a, it's still a good step to ask them, like if they need clarification, if they have any questions, invite that clarification. Cause a lot of people are afraid to ask. We're not good as humans at asking clarifying questions. So really invite that as the leader. The third is who, and which really that should have been one. And who is always one person. If you say like, Hey, can someone please, someone might not grab it. You know, they always say like, if you need an ambulance, don't say, can someone please, you just say you, (laughs) you know, call the ambulance. And so you want to make sure it's one person, even if that person might have the whole team helping them. It's one, because then they become one, they're fully accountable. Accountability is so important. And two, they're going to be the one communicating directly with you to give you updates. So it's always one person regardless. And maybe they'll even delegate to other people and not, you know, maybe you have some outsourced resources as well, but so maybe they'll delegate and not actually do the work, but they're still your, your one go-to. This next one's super important. And that's by when. So a lot of times my clients miss the by when again, they say, Oh, they have so much on their plate and all of that. So they say like, and when you get around to it, when you get a chance, they feel like they're being respectful of other people's busyness, but really, again, they're never going to get around to it. They're not going to get the chance because they're too busy. And so you haven't given the call to action. You haven't elevated it to the top of the list. So that deadline is what does that. A lot of times I'll have leaders say, well, I don't know what else is on their plate or what's going to be realistic. That's okay. You just want to include that in the conversation and they can negotiate it or help you come up with the drop dead deadline. If that's the case, if you don't know everything that's going on, you can say, would it be reasonable for you to have this by Friday at five? Maybe they'll say, you know what? I'm just finishing up that other project you gave me. Could I have until Tuesday at noon? Yes. So now you have a meeting of the minds that Tuesday of noon is the deadline versus when you get around to it, when you get a chance. The next is super, and I'm doing these super, super quick, but the next is really, really important. Again, often missed, but it's create a communication schedule upfront. So why this is important is, especially when, if you're new to delegating, like maybe you've been a micromanager in the past, or you, you have a team where you're just like, I, if I need it, if I, if I want it done, I just have to do it myself. Have the communication schedule very tight so that you never go to them to ask how it's going. Cause what happens is if you're constantly asking the person, how is it going? You're teaching them that you're going to keep reminding them. They haven't fully, you haven't fully offloaded it. It's still taking up your brain space and you still have some sense of responsibility and they don't. You want them fully responsible. And a lot of times the how's it going questions end up with it landing back on your lap. You start getting nervous. They're not getting enough done, et cetera. So what you want to do is create that communication schedule and think about how often you need an update. So you will never feel compelled to go and ask them for the update. It can be super quick. Shoot me a text, put it in, you know, if you have a project management system, pop it in there, shoot me an email, 
however you want the information, you know, grab a spot on my calendar for 20 minutes. You know, if it's a longer project, maybe it's each day you need a quick update, et cetera, just of their progress. So again, that gets delegated along with the task or project itself. And then the last is that you offer your support up front as well. So this is a time to reiterate that the deadline really is the deadline. Again, it's up to them to come and ask you. So you say, if you run into any challenges that are making it you know, seem like you're not going to reach the deadline, let me know well enough in advance so that I can help you problem solve and make sure that you still hit that deadline. So again, you're not going to them and asking if they need help, which makes them feel like you don't trust them. And again, you're reminding them about it. They're not fully owning it, et cetera. So anyway, those are the super quick, <laughs> down and dirty, very quick, six simple steps. Mm, love that. I suffer from the buy when and and definitely the communication schedule is interesting because I notice with one of my team members, she just updates me daily. She just does it and responds yeah. to every single email. And then my other two are not. And so can you, is it too much? Do you think to say, I want an update every day, every day, no. day or no? Okay. No, absolutely not. I mean, you're the boss and it's what makes you comfortable now. Like once in this, this might be a, just for the time being thing. Like for now, I just want to feel that confidence level and not have to worry about, are they making progress? Right. And so, but eventually maybe you'll build trust. They'll get better at follow through. You'll have a history of them, like completing things by that deadline. And you won't believe how magical that the by when is it really is that will already and you know it might take a little minute where they need to realize that you really mean it and that's just a cleanup conversation so if they're you know if they're still missing the deadline then the conversation is hey remember we talked about like we really are going to start setting deadlines and hitting deadlines and i really need to feel like i can trust you to hit those deadlines and to let me know if anything is standing in the way of you missing a deadline well enough in advance so that you still can hit that deadline. Cause I mean, who wants to hear Thursday that the thing that was due on Tuesday didn't happen, but yeah. So just by incorporating those couple, and again, it might just be for a window of time that you'll need the tighter updates, but absolutely it's 100% and just, you know, create an easy way, way for them to update you. So it's not taking up a lot of their time. Mm, okay. I like that. And, you know, so can I ask you then further on that? Can I sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Yes, <laughs> and all of that. So, what happens, for example, since my team members are not physically with me, so they're they're virtual. Okay. Yep. So, how do you control, or what do you suggest? How do you control what they're actually doing? So, for example, so they're doing forty-five minutes of this, or they're doing two hours of that, or they're doing fifteen minutes of that. So I could feel more in control of what they're doing. So they have tasks. They they know their tasks. We have an operation schedule. We we have tasks. I'm even using a manager Trello. I'm using Trello, which mm -hmm. is a tax, task manager. So they have yep. board, they know what they're supposed to be doing, but I don't have control over how long things are really taking and what they did that particular day or week. How would you handle that? Yeah. So I really like management by objectives. Like you're really talking about them creating specific outcomes versus exactly how they're spending their time now. And again, if you're going to start being very, and it's great that you're using Trello because that'll make it super easy. The deadlines go right in there. They can do their updates right in there, but being very deadline driven as you're creating a project, you're going to start at the end. Right. And then you're going to say, now, if we start at the end, 
like if we need this new piece of clothing at this point, just before that, we need this. And then we need to bake in a couple of extra days in case there's snafus. Right. And then before that, we need this other thing to happen. And so you're, you can create for a whole large project, a timeline of all the deadlines that need to happen for the whole, like, you know, design to completion, whatever all those steps are for a project like that. So first you're going to focus on people hitting their dead, like being better at, and if, whether it's you, or again, one of your team members, who's going to create the timeline that all the team needs to adhere to they're going to get more efficient just that way. Cause you're not going to have snafus of like, so-and-so didn't get this done. And now the other person's waiting for thus and such. And now the whole thing's kind of got a little monkey wrench in it. So deadline driven with realistic timelines that bake in a little bit of extra for snafus is what's going to drive you. So you, you start with that and then you start to look at efficiency. Where can we improve productivity? Is it reasonable for them you know, should it take this in such amount of time? Hey, can you, can I ask you, it feels like this took you about this many hours. Can you walk me through the steps that you're doing, you know, or just start engaging or have them be problem solution seekers to say like, how can we gain efficiency? But so I think it's first looking at timelines and deadlines and then trying to add in, you know, productivity by looking at how can we do things better? Is that helpful? Yes, it's a work in progress, isn't it? Yeah. And again, it is tough. I mean, even if you're in the same location, you kind of don't want to spend all of your time being the sheriff looking at, you know, are they being as productive as possible in this moment? Or can you look at like for a day or a week, you know, did they based on my estimations of about how long it should take for things to happen? It seems like they were productive, you know, and not upping their hours by, you know, a gajillion and really weren't productive and were actually, you know, doing their own thing or on their phone or hanging with their kids. So okay. it's really setting the expectations of having good integrity around their own timekeeping too, but just being able to do the reality checking around it of, hmm, it seems like that should have only taken 45 minutes and they put three hours. You know, yeah. then you go ask the question just so they know you're taking a look and, you know, like help me understand. And is there a way, you know, how can we decrease the amount of time that this is taking? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah you're welcome. So I hope that is helpful. Yes. It's a, you know, it's, you know, this part of being a CEO is extremely important as your business starts to grow. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and eventually you're likely going to have that extra person in between you and your team who ha has a bit more oversight. I mean, you're the you're creating vision and you're writing and you're, you know, you're on podcasts and, you know, you're going to be doing all kinds of activities around launching your book. So you're not going to be as available for the day to day or you're not going to have the freedom that you want in your life. And so right. wouldn't it be nice to have that one person who can just oversee all those things and and check on the productivity and and deadlines and all of that. So that maybe that'll be a, you know, that would be a little bit longer conversation, but for us to figure out what would be the next really good hire for you, but it's great that you already have your spreadsheets. Cause that's super helpful. Cause you know, mm -hmm. next hires, the, the way to answer that question well is to look at where are people at overcapacity, including you is one list, but then there's the list of what's the stuff that we're not even doing that would be business building or 
help us provide better quality for our customers, et cetera, that we really should be doing. And then that goes on a list. And now you can look at where is their overflow and work that's not getting done at all. And then you need to look and say, would this list of tasks likely live within one human or would this be a unicorn? You know, and then you can kind of take a look at about how many hours a week or month do you need? You know, is it one or two people, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this yeah. is the, that's important that so many of us don't get to, right? Yeah, until you're having the real fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's awesome. So if someone is wanting to connect with you, share your website right now, and then talk about your book coming out and doing some coaching slash consulting. So what would it look like for someone who would be in need of your services right now? And where can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So for the clothing, definitely check out Back From Bali on Amazon or on my own website and go and and have a look there. And to find out more about what I'm offering, about the book, about consulting, go to my own website, which is Leslie cooster.com. I have a free ebook, which is seven sabotaging mistakes most women entrepreneurs make. So definitely grab that. I am a big believer in offering a lot of free things. And so on my website, you will find lots of blogs and videos and other podcasts that I've been on that will give you a lot of different information. I've also offered courses before called Seven Keys to Success. So really the website is where you will find everything. And of course, social media, Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn, you'll find me there as well. But my main vision, my my yearning these days is to help more and more women entrepreneurs really get over that six-figure block and to really step into a money-making business that gives them truly the freedom that they want and to encourage women to really know deep down that they really can do this at any age. Yes, they can. <laughs> yes, well, they can. Thank you for that. And I'm going to spell out your website. And again, this will be on today's show notes, but it's Leslie Cooster, L-E-S-L-I-E-K-U-S-T-E-R.com is her website. And then the back from Bali, B-A-C-K-F-R-O-M-B-A-L-I. But of course, all of these will be in the show notes for today. But so as we wrap up this awesome conversation, love your energy. This has been such a fun interview. What words of wisdom do you have for others who want to make their own impact in the world? Oh, wow. (laughs) Words of wisdom for making impact in the world. I suppose it's believing that you can and that you matter and that that's really important and that not everybody's wanting and not everybody's yearning is the same thing. And we often think, oh, they're doing something so similar. And, you know, there's no more room in the world to be doing that. There's no more room for that product to come out. There's so many other things like it. But we if you feel it, like if you yearn for it and you really want it, then that is your spirit talking to you because not everybody has the same yearning and wanting inside of them. Yes, your unique impact. And no one, even if it's similar, they're not going to deliver it in the same way, say it in the same way, have the same energy. And we all connect to different people. Exactly. Yeah. Don't be stopped by that. There's abundance. Thank you for that. And thank you for the important work that you're doing to encourage 
women of a certain age to, to make their own impact. And you're right. It is never too late. And we were all put on this earth for a purpose. Let's all do our thing, you know, make our difference. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And if you are struggling with some of the things we talked about with the, you know, building your high performing team, you know, challenges and making your bigger, bolder impact, I am here for you. You can grab a spot on my calendar very simply by going to focusforcoaching.com forward slash book call. And I would love to chat with you about any team building challenges. Once Leslie's got you really ramping up and then you're building that team get a hold of me. So thank you again, Leslie. It's been so great talking with you. And again, go connect with Leslie at lesliecooster.com or back from Bali. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time today. Thank you. 